0: And tonight, as we continue, we're going to talk about the grace of God, and we're going to talk about how the grace of God can fill us completely. And I've titled this message, if you take notes, feel full, feel full, say that five times fast, not right now, maybe later, feel full. May, forgive me if throughout the message, if I say this phrase wrong, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there now, if I'm like, feel full, full. feel full. If I get confused, just be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's feel full, all right? Can you promise me this? No judgment, no like, what a fool. He can't even say feel full, feel full, feel full, full. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we read this. Paul writes, he says, for this reason I, Paul, now notice, Paul just started this chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, he's about to tell us the reason that he's writing, and then he side trails from the, from the end of that comma all the way through verse 13. And then he gathers himself and finally tells us the reason in verse 14. So he's like, for this reason, and then he's like, actually, before I tell you the reason, I've got some random other thoughts to tell you. So for the next 13 verses, this is a random interjection before the this reason he's talking about. All right. So he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have... Heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given uh, to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and the prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given." that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. We're going to pause there for just a moment. So Paul you're like, what is he talking about? Mystery, revelation, wisdom, what's going on? Paul, basically, as he starts, and again, he side trails, he's like, all right, this reason I'm writing to you, and then he's like, actually, um, just real quick, side note, briefly, he kind of rabbit trails a little bit, and he talks about the grace of God, and he talks about the revelation of the grace of God, and the idea is he notice he says he he mentions uh, he tells the grace of God manifested that idea of manifested is to reveal something that was hidden has now been revealed he, he said it's been revealed uh, or that God has revealed the mystery of God he uses this word mystery I don't know about you but I picture like Scooby Doo whenever I hear the word mystery you know I'm like the mystery machine you're like huh mystery I wonder what's wonder what they're gonna solve this time. Like, I wonder what Scooby and the gang are going to figure out. There's this weird ghost running around, doing his thing, and then the mystery machine rolls up. You guys even watch Scooby-Doo? Like, rolls into the scene, and they're like, they're like huh, I wonder what mystery is going afoot. I don't know what they say. And then they, they solve the mystery. The mystery that he's talking about here is not like that. It's not like this puzzling like where if you like, go like this, like, eventually you'll figure it out. It's not like, ah, the mystery's been solved. And you're like, look for clues. That's not the idea. When he's talking about mystery here, he's saying there's something that could not be known, but now it's been made known. Something that you couldn't understand. You, you know, it was a mystery. It, it, it's, it, it was so mysterious that we couldn't even think about what it was to figure it out. It's just this. What is this? Now, the mystery that he is speaking of is the way in which God planned to save humanity, the way in which God had a plan to save broken, sinful human beings. And that mystery has now been revealed. And the revelation of that mystery was in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to planet Earth, lived this perfect life, died a sinless death that if we would just place faith in him, we could have forgiveness of sins and access to God. He said, but without Jesus, we would have never known that. And then he said, this mystery has now been revealed. And he's talking about this grace of God. And then he tells us specifically how God's grace has affected his life. The first thought tonight, and this is kind of a side point before we get into the main point, is that God sees what no one else can. Talking about the grace of God, it, Paul would tell us, he says, and there in verse um, 8, he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Paul looked at his own life, and he said he called himself the least of all the saints. In other words, of all the sinners in the world... Paul considered himself the worst. He's like, I like imagine sinners, imagine people, and then put me at the very bottom of the list. He says, that's, that's me. He did not feel worthy to be an apostle or a follower of Jesus. And to be honest, he was kind of right. Paul, before this time, he, his name was Saul, and he persecuted and even killed Jesus' followers. That was this guy, Saul. Like, he made it his goal to kill anybody that decided to follow Jesus. And then a miracle happened. No one could ever imagine that he would one day become not only a Jesus follower, but a pastor and a writer of the Bible. Like, nobody saw that coming. Saul was like, if you saw Saul, you're like, oh, no, we're, we're literally dead. Like, if this guy's coming into our neighborhood, we are toast. And then he has an encounter with Jesus, and his life changed. Nobody could see that. Nobody would imagine that. Not only that, not only did other people, would they never even see that coming? Paul didn't even see that coming. He looks at his own life and he's like, yeah, I'm the least. Like I am. There's other people that are way better than me, way better being Christian than I am. And I am just the least of all the saints. And I think this kind of paints for us a little bit that Paul struggled to see what God saw in him. Here Paul is, I mean, at this point when he's writing this, and I, and I know there's this reality that as you grow in Jesus, you, you sort of unlock more and more of the grace of God. And as you unlock more of the grace of God, it makes you feel less and less worthy. It's kind of like, oh, man, the more I get to know Jesus and the more I see all that he's done for me, I just feel like... Pfft. How did how did I get here? God's grace is too good. Now, there's a level of that. But I think also maybe Paul's going through a little bit of a crisis. He's like, yeah, I'm the least of all the saints. Now, mind you, at the time he's in prison writing this letter. And maybe he's just going like, Man, I'm so I don't know. I don't get it. I'm not that good. Like people, I'm, clearly I'm not a very good preacher. I get thrown in prison whenever I do it. And, and, and there's this reality he, he's feeling he doesn't see what even God saw. In him And maybe that's you. Maybe you look at your life and maybe other people don't see anything in you. Eh, just whatever. Just doing your thing. Have nothing of significance to offer, whatever it might be. Or maybe you look at your own life and you can't see anything worthwhile in you. But listen, know that God sees something in you. He says there in verse 8, he says, To me, whom less than least of all the saints, this grace was given, he says, that I should preach among the Gentiles. He says, I am nothing, but the grace of God showed up, and not only did it save me so that I could be named among the saints, but also I have a purpose in the kingdom of heaven. And so it says, he says, yeah, I'm the least of the saints, but this grace showed up, and now I have a reason, I've got a purpose. And know that just because you don't see anything of value in yourself, Know that God sees value in you. Now, Paul transitions in verse 14 back to what he was trying to say in verse 1. So he's like, for this reason. And then side trails, talks about the grace of God, talks about all these things. And then he, he reverts back. Look at verse uh, 14. He says, for this reason. He says it again. He's like, I'm back on track. I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he, God, would grant you according the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is his second prayer in this book so far. Chapter one, he opens up, he gives a hello, and then he begins to pray for the church in Ephesus. And now, so far in this book, he has given them one instruction Now, a lot of the books in the Bible, especially the ones that Paul writes, uh, he's writing to correct them or instruct them or tell them to do something. So far in the book of Ephesians, he's told them to do one thing. It's in chapter 2, verse 11, and he says, remember. That's the only command so far is, hey, remember. And the remember is, remember what you were like before Christ because it gives you perspective for where you are now in Christ. That's his only instruction so far. And then he goes on for another random side. No, it's not random. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but seems random. And then he's got a second prayer for them. And, and he prays, and, and this phrase sort of stands out to me. He, he, he prays that they would be filled with the fullness of God. That phrase kind of stands out to me. And, and the reason it stands out to me for a couple reasons, is the word full is a word I'm not super familiar with. What I mean by that is, I, if I'm being honest, I rarely feel full. Like I'm talking about food, you know what I mean? Like you, like you eat all this food and you're like, hey, I could probably eat more. Like my go-to phrase is like if somebody says, are you hungry? It's like, I could eat. Like there's no time in the day that I can be like, I could eat. Hannah always judges me because I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have like a ton of breakfast, like eggs and toast and avocado. It's like the best. I'll eat it at like, you know, 8 a.m. and then like or maybe like 830. I don't know, whatever time eat it. Like it's like 1045. And I'm like, I think it's lunchtime, like 15 minutes till lunchtime. Right. She's like, no, lunchtime's noon. I'm like, "Ah, I think it's 11. You know, like, you know what I mean? And and so like I'm always kind of hungry. And so when he says, Feel or experience the fullness, be full of the fullness of God. I'm like, that's interesting to me. Especially, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything. Have we ever felt full of God? Like if we're honest, have we ever do have we ever felt full from God where we're content or satisfied because of God in our life? We're like, yeah, I feel full. Because of God, God in my life or the situations that God has provided for me or 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 the people I'm around in church or or whatever it is, is I feel full. Because of God, how does that even happen? What does that even look like? How do we how do we experience the fullness of God? Like he says, he says, I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, what does that look like? Number one, I think it starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. You can jot that down. Paul's prayer for them, notice, is that Christ would dwell in their hearts. Look at it again back in verse uh, 17. He says, uh, my, my prayer for you is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul's prayer is that Christ would dwell in their hearts, that Jesus and his teachings and his plans and the way he 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 desires for you to live would have residency in our lives, not just visitation rights. That that Jesus would actually have his home in your heart, not just something that he can look at every once in a while. I'm going to talk about Hannah again. Sorry, babe. Hannah recently uh, made an Instagram account, and it's called at, it's, let me say it, it's called at Hurricanes House. Now, Hurricane, if you don't know, is her other Instagram handle. And this Instagram is designated just to photos of our home, which is great, you know, it's wonderful. Now, I don't follow that Instagram page. I'll tell you why. The reason for it, it's because I live there. Like, I don't need to see a picture of the couch. I sit on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys, you guys are more than welcome at Hurricane's house. You are more than welcome to look at pictures of our house. If you want to, you are more than welcome to. I don't need to look at pictures at my house. Why? Because I have a key. I can go inside. I live there. It's my house. And the reason I bring this up is because many people treat Christ like at Hurricane's house. Like, we can, we, we can, w- he can look, he can, he can like certain things. Like, oh, that's, that's a nice couch. <laughs> like, th- I like that painting on the wall or that whatever that is. Like, that's nice. But, but he does not have residency in our lives. W- we can he can look but he doesn't live there and what paul is saying is that when christ dwells in your heart it's like forget following the instagram account here's the house key you are welcome anytime it's not visitation like i show up every once in a while but this is your home you belong in my life and the idea it's basically a fancy way of saying that christ is first in your life That when Christ has residency in your heart and in your life, means that he comes above all other things in your life. Before relationships, before activities, before ambitions, before even school, anything like that, that Jesus is first in our lives. Because when Jesus is first in your life, all those other things find their proper place when it comes to our priorities. When Jesus is first, the other things go where they're supposed to. He's saying that Christ would would be first in our life, not just every once in a while. And I think the reason many people don't feel full of God is because he doesn't live with them. He doesn't live with them. It's a it's an every once in a while thing. Maybe we come to church on Thursday night to get full and then we leak all week. You know what I mean? Like, we come to church, and, like, the worship's great, and the message was like, hoorah, and small group was like, I can do it, yeah. and then we go home, and we're like, the whole week, we're like, wait, what was said at, what song did we sing, and, and what was that message, and wait, that one person said something really good in small group that I felt like would have been really good for this situation, but now I can't remember it, and our whole life, it just seems like this, we were full, and we're leaking, and it's like, where was that Where is that God that we talked about in that situation? I can't remember now. And and what's going on? We need God to live with us so that we can experience him all the time. It's It's not just 45 minutes on a Thursday night. To feel full of God is to carry him with you wherever you go. It's to allow him to be in your life. He also prays, notice that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, if we like pause and think about that, know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Know the love of Christ? No, the love of Christ that surpasses surpassages, surpasses 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 knowledge. Forget you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> to know the love of Christ he says that 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 surpasses knowledge. So he's basically saying to know something that can't be known. What does that mean? What is he talking about? The idea of know that he uses here is to experience it firsthand. Some things can be experienced, but cannot be explained. There are some things like I could do my best to explain to you what something looked like or what something was like or what something felt like. But until you experience it for yourself, you can't fully understand what that thing is. Uh, Until you actually go and watch the sunrise over the beach, I can't like I could tell you like it's amazing, like this orange globe, like just comes from underneath the water and then it's like it was dark and then it became bright. And you're like, that sounds kind of interesting. And then you actually set your alarm and get there early and go to the beach and watch the sunrise. You're like, whoa, like Nate tried, but it it didn't even come close to what this was actually like. Some things you can try to explain, but until you experience it, you don't understand it. And he says, I want you to experience the love of God that cannot be explained. Now, I can do my best to up here tell you how much God loves you. And I try to every week to tell you that God loves you unconditionally. And it was, it was displayed for us on the cross. Perfect picture of, of God's love for us, the cross. But until you experience his love for you firsthand, it falls short. And he says, I, it, it, in order to feel full, it starts in your heart. And you've got to recognize that he must live inside of you. You must dwell in you being he's first in your life and you've got to make sure that you're experiencing it, not just expecting somebody to explain it to you, but actually experience the love of God. It starts in your heart. Second point. Final point. It leads to your life. It starts in your heart and it leads to your life to experience the full fullness of God. Ephesians 3, verse 20 is one of the best verses. I love it, especially in the NIV. It says it like this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That he he, he just celebrates God. To him who is able. Let me tell you, whatever you're going through, God is able. He is able to do immeasurably. How much more? You you can't know. You, You can never measure it. More than all we, not only ask, but all that you could ever imagine. Think about that. Like, God, we go to God, and sometimes we go to God with, like, these big, crazy lists that we're like, I don't know if God could do this. And then God's like, that's it? Like, how about think bigger? How about things you can't even imagine? How about things that you could never come up with God can do and is able When God dwells in your heart and you make him first, you will see it in your life. It will be seen in the fact that God is doing things that are beyond your own ability. Paul knew firsthand what that was like. Here he is writing the Bible, and at one point he was killing Christians. How does that happen? It happens not by someone's own ability, but by allowing Jesus to dwell in them. And when he dwells in you, it leads to the way you live your life. And when you're living as God wants you to live, all of a sudden, God begins to do things that are way beyond your wildest dreams. Like I imagine this for my life. God's like, Pfft, imagine bigger. God's got bigger and better plans for our life when we allow him to dwell in our hearts. And there'll be two clear things that show it's God that's working. And worship team, you guys can come up here as I close this out. Two clear things. One, he is working in you. He's working in you. Often, we want to see God work around us, but not in us. Let me give you an example. If our situation is bad, we want God to fix it, right? Anybody ever prayed for God to fix the situation you were going through? Like, hey, God... Either heal me from this or help me pass the test or make my parents stop fighting or or make my friends forgive me or, or whatever it is. We pray, God, help this situation. But when God is working in us, sometimes the situation might not change, but our perspective on it changes. God is able to do above what we ever could ask, think or imagine and we're asking this and God is working in us and so not he might not change your situation right away but he'll change your perspective on your situation and when he is working secondly not only is is he working in you when he's working he gets the glory that very last verse he says now to him who is able and then he says to him be glory in the church what God accomplishes in and through your life will always make you and others more aware of God. Listen, I'm going to say that again. What God accomplishes in and through your life will always and should always make you and others more aware of God. Where you look at your situation, and you go like, well, I could have never done that. Like, how? God, it could have only been you. There's no way I could have done that. And yet God made a way. God provided healing. God provided whatever it might be only. And then people around you go, "Okay, wait a second. I know you. I know what you're capable of. I know what you're like. How is that happening? Why is how who, huh? more aware of God?" Listen, and that happens when you are filled with the fullness of God. It will always, when you're filled with the fullness of God, it will always start in your heart. Christ is first. Christ is, is, is what we're all about. We're experiencing the love of God. And then it bubbles up without, from within us and leads to our life. Let me ask you a question. Who's bigger? You or God. It's not a trick question. Who's bigger? God. God's bigger. So imagine for a second, this, this, is, this is Paul's word picture. He says, you now can be filled. Imagine you. There you are. I'm 6'2". Like I put on, when I'm riding the bike at the gym, 185. I'm not 185. I would like to be 185. I'm more like 177, but I'd like to be 185. And uh, <laughs> there I am, 6'2", 185, go with me. And I'm like, I want to be filled with the fullness of God. What is that going to look like? You guys ever seen? This is a horrible illustration, so please forgive me of this. You guys ever seen Men in Black, the movie? Yeah. Remember the scene where that crazy monster guy that looks like a cockroach yeah. puts himself into the skin of that one guy? You know what I'm talking about? If you guys haven't seen that movie you should definitely see that movie it's a great movie um, but it like it doesn't fit it doesn't look right it's like it's how and there's a again a horrible illustration probably edit that out of the podcast but anyways <laughs> there you are and God says I'm going to fill you with the fullness now I brought this can you guys see this kind of if you can't now imagine for a second this is you little cup yes you look nice today look at you you're so cute and imagine for a second this is God and that God promises to fill you with his fullness now what's that going to look like I'm not going to get it on your pedals what do you think is going to happen when the fullness of God what do you think is going to happen when the fullness of God fills into your life, what happens? It, it, it overflows, doesn't it? The fullness of God in your life, what I'm trying to say is this. When you are filled with the fullness of God, it can't stop at you. Let me say it again because you are distracted by, it. I mean, it just makes sense. The cup is smaller than the amount of water. It's going to come out. Like, it's not science. So when when you ask God to fill you with his fullness, it's not going to stop with you. It has to overflow out of you. When you allow God to dwell in your hearts and you make him first and it starts in your heart and it leads to your life, it can never just stop with you. It will always leak out into other people's lives and God's going to get the glory. People are going to become more aware of God in your life and he's going to get the glory. And so if you ask God, I want to be filled with his fullness. Recognize it starts in your heart. God, you're first in my life. Every other thing is second to you. God, you are first. God, I want to experience what that looks like. I don't want to just hear about it. I want to know about it. And then it's going to to well up inside of you. And it's going to overflow into your life and then the people's lives around you. It has to happen. It has to. You are too small to be filled with the fullness of God, and yet he promises that God will fill you with his fullness. The psalmist would say, "My cup runs over." Literally, he's saying, my my life is not worthy of the fullness of God, and yet I have been filled with God's fullness, so I have found contentment and satisfaction and purpose in my own life, and that has bubbled up to overflowing in my life, and now every single person I come in contact with is now gonna hear about God, and hear about his love, and hear about his plans, and hear about his purposes, and hear about how if he can do it with me, he can do it with you, because it's not gonna stop with me it's always going to bubble up out of me you can be filled with the fullness of God stand together and as we close and as the worship team leads us in this final song I want you to ask yourself do you feel full (laughs) now if you're hungry we got donuts afterwards so just but do you feel full of God do you feel content with God? Do you, feel, do you feel like God is first in your life, and do you feel like every other decision in your life is navigated and decided based upon God first in your life? It'll start in your heart, and it'll lead to your life, and it'll lead to the people around you's life as well.